Good morning, church. Aren't you happy to be here this morning? Yeah. Amen. God is good. And as we have uh, lived through this week, and now we've come to the beginning of a new week, there's something that we all know. God was good last week, and God will be good this week as well. It is good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. Let's go together to God in prayer, please. Oh, heavenly and righteous, heavenly Father, we praise you. We love you. We thank you. Hallowed be your great and amazing name. We give unto you all the praise, honor, and glory. This morning, Lord God, as we look into your word and worship you, bless us to make it all about you. Bless us, Lord God, remove self. Focus on you, to focus on Jesus, to focus on the Holy Spirit, to focus on the Godhead, to rid our minds of worldly thoughts. Bless us, Lord God, that our every moment, our every minute of this hour will be all about you. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, be that will. Amen. We're in the book of Habakkuk. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But Habakkuk is a book that speaks of our days and times and wickedness that, that goes on. Isn't Jesus with us even through our frustrations as we are faced with a mass of confusion and experience the difficulties and disappointments of life. And many have asked the question, in the midst of adversity, God, where are you? Many are asking that question today. This has been a consistent question asked of God throughout the ages. God, where are you? And church, we know that God is still right here where He has always been blessing and keeping us even through difficult times. But sometimes we can all admit that when facing tribulations, it's difficult to see the activity of God. And so in this, this theodicy, if you will, the book of Habakkuk, he writes and he, he struggles with the same question. Beginning at verse 1, the oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and thou wilt not hear? I cry out to thee, violence, yet thou dost not save. Why dost thou make me see? iniquity, and calls me to look on wickedness. Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore the law is ignored, and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. And we look around the world today and we still find injustice and the struggles of life. 
And Habakkuk is asking the question, God, I've been crying out to you. And you're not hearing me. Turn to Hebrews, please. Chapter 10. Perhaps in the first century, they were asking the same questions as they were struggling with life. As they saw and experienced some of the same types of wickedness and oppression in their day. In verse 32, But remember the former days, when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. They struggle. God, where are you? It doesn't stop there. Look at the souls. Revelation chapter 6. So you have the souls now who have been persecuted. And in fact, in Revelation 6, these souls have been beheaded because of the persecution. And you know they're human because listen to what they say in verse 9. And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Lord, when are you going to do something? Verse 11. And there was given to each one of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been should be completed also. Wait, there's more? Yeah. Back to Habakkuk, please. Chapter 1. Yes, there. There's more. There's more. So God speaks to Habakkuk. And he gives him just a glimpse of what it's like to be divine. Habakkuk is just a man. Let me show you what it means to be divine. Verse 6, verse 5 rather. Verse 5. Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something in your days you would not believe it if you were told. Divine. God says, I am divine. And Jehovah speaks to Habakkuk regarding the future event. And he says, the Chaldeans are coming. That would be the equivalent of us today and God saying, okay, America, I just want you to know, you're crying out for help. I'm going to help you. The Taliban are coming. And we'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want that kind of help, God. But you cried out for help. 
And the divine says, I'll punish the wicked and I'll reward the righteous, but sometimes the righteous suffer along with the wicked. I'm doing something that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. Verse 6, he says, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. In other words, these, these are some very wicked people. Why them? <laughs> Look at chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet according to Shigenot. Lord, I have heard the report about thee, and I fear. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Because God's wrath was against these people. In chapter 1 and verse 5, again, the, the prayer was, God, how long will you look at wickedness and injustice and do nothing? And God says, how do you punish wicked and unjust people? You've got to bring some who are more wicked and unjust to punish those who are being wicked and unjust so that it can be felt and that repentance will come about. In verse 5, God says, Look among the nations. Observe, be astonished, wonder. Because I'm doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. Tell me again, how was it that Jesus saved us? He gave himself to be tortured. And executed by wicked and unjust people. And how many of us say, oh God, wasn't there another way? And there was not. And here's what Paul does. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 13, the apostle Paul spoke to this, this very situation using the passage in Habakkuk. To refer to the Jews and proselytes regarding Christ. He takes the passage and he uses it and he speaks to Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Paul speaks to the message as a reference to an incredible and amazing destruction coming on the hand of the Roman nation for rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says. Acts 13, beginning at verse 40. Take heed, therefore, so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel, and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. Isn't that interesting? He takes the passage about the Chaldeans, and then it's fulfillment. And you see the fulfillment. We read about the fulfillment of the Chaldeans coming down. And now we're talking about the Christ. And he's saying, Jerusalem will be destroyed. 
because you failed to obey and surrender to the God of the heavens and the earth. Back to Habakkuk, please. Chapter 2. Habakkuk also speaks of a, of a worldwide knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is interesting. The world knows. Here we go out and we evangelize and we speak to people in the world about Jesus. In our own community, in our own world, they know. But look at the rebellious amongst us. Those who refuse to surrender to Jesus. Back at 2 in verse 12. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. Is it not indeed from the Lord of hosts that peoples toil for fire and nations grow weary for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's not that people don't know. It's that they don't care. It's not that people don't know. It's that we're rebellious. It's not that people shouldn't be punished. We are being punished. Why? Because we refuse to surrender to Jesus. Chapter 3. We can trust that the Lord does stand against unrighteousness and does punish the wicked for evil. We can be sure of that. We can understand that. We don't ever have to ask the question, God, why aren't you doing something? Because we know that based on the Scriptures from the beginning to the end, that God is working in ways that we will never understand. Verse 12 of chapter 3. In indignation, thou didst march through the earth. In anger, thou didst trample the nations. Thou didst go forth for the salvation of thy people, for the salvation of thine anointed. Thou didst strike the head of the house of the, of the evil to lay him open from thigh to neck. Thou didst pierce with his own spears. The head of his throngs. They stormed in to scatter us. Their exaltation was like those who devour the oppressed in secret. Thou didst tread on the sea with thy horses on the surge of many waters. You know, and then folks begin to complain. Well, God, why did you do all of that? Well, because you cried out for righteousness. And you cried for justice. And you asked me to stop the wickedness and the evil from going on. And now that I've stopped it, now you're complaining. Can God ever get a break? Will God ever get a break? The ungodly can never prevail against God. And here's what's amazing, right? What's amazing is that the ungodly know they're fighting against God. And they don't care. You say, well, preacher, well, how do you know that? Well, I was ungodly at one time. So were you. I didn't really care. You know what I cared about when I was ungodly? I cared about me. 
I wanted to do what I wanted to do and I wanted to live the way I wanted to live and there was nothing God was going to do about it until God did something about it. The wicked will never get away with sin. The wicked will never get away with sin. Church, never try to take out your own revenge. Let God do it. Don't turn away from God. Stay with the Lord. There is salvation and victory in Jesus. Never think that God is looking at the world and watching all the evil and doing nothing. God is always busy and active doing something. And I tell you the main thing God is doing. He's saving people. He's saving people. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning of verse 16. I heard and my inward parts trembled at the sound my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. I cry for justice, God, but you are doing nothing. Uh Uh-oh, wait, I didn't mean, wait, did I mean that prayer? (laughs) Right? Someone said, be careful what you ask for. Now Habakkuk says, now I have to wait for the distress that is coming upon us because of our wickedness. Verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the, the, the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hind's feet. And makes me walk on my high places. Habakkuk says, even though I have to wait for the distress that will come upon us. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Because I know God's going to take care of us. I know God's going to bring us through this. And you see what happened was they were trusting in idolatry. They were trusting in their idol gods. And they were saying, our idol gods will save us. Chapter 2, verse 18. What profit is the idol when its maker has carved it? Or an image, a teacher of falsehood? For its maker trusts in his own handiwork. When he fashions speechless idols, woe to him who says to a piece of wood, awake, to a dumb stone, arise, and that is your teacher. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all inside of it. Woe to those, wait, woe to those who do that. Well, you know, we don't do that, right? We're, we're much more innovative and smarter than they were, and are we? We trust in ourselves. We trust in our money. We trust in the power and the might of America. We better trust in God. Church, they trusted in what they made. They trusted in, in what their life was like. They trusted in themselves. As a result... There's all this wickedness and evil that's going on. As a result of that, they're going to be brought low. They trusted in that which cannot save. Habakkuk tells us 
Don't trust in yourself. And don't trust in idolatry. Trust only in God. In verse 20 it says, But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. And that speaks to God. Now I want you to think about what God made in this temple. The holy temple of God in the heavens. And then God, then God, somehow, made us, His people, a holy temple in Christ. Matthew chapter 16, please. And he made a church. And the church, the called out, that's us. How are we living our lives in this temple called the body? How are you living your life in this temple called the body? And the Bible says, that you are a holy temple and that you are not your own and that you do not belong to yourself. We belong to Jesus. How are you treating your temple? Jesus says, Matthew 16 and verse 15, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. And you know what God wants? God wants me. He wants you to be with Him in that holy temple. What are you doing with your temple today? John 17. Here's the positive. Of all that Habakkuk talked about, that he spoke of, about all the wickedness and the evil, and then God fixed it. God fixed it. He turned it back right. He fixed it. And then they turned back to evil again. And then God fixed it. And He turned it back again to righteousness. And and they turned back to evil. And God turned it back to righteousness. And they turned it back to... Kind of sound like our lives, huh? (laughs) There's coming a day, church, when all this is going to be over. Why do I put my trust in the material that's going to burn up? Why do I put my trust in the success of this world when I'm going to die? Why not put my trust in God who is in His holy temple? In Jesus who's at the right hand of God. In the Holy Spirit who's working in us. Why not? Why are there things in my life that are more important than God. Why? You ever heard someone say, well, you know, know, Bible class is early. It's 9 o'clock. But we go to work, we start at 8. That's all about me, isn't it? 
Some of us go to work earlier than that. Well, you know, it's sure we sure spend a lot of time at church, but you will volunteer for overtime. Because we get more money. It's all about me, isn't it? How about we just make it all about Jesus? How about you give your heart and your mind and your soul to Jesus? Church, I'm pleading with you. Give it to Jesus. Give it to God. Habakkuk said, God, look at all this wickedness and this evil that's going on around us. When are you going to do something? And as we cry the same cry today, God says, I'm doing something that you wouldn't believe it if I told you. And you say, Lord, tell us, please. And God said, I'm counting down the days until I return. And when I come back, it'll be in an hour, in a moment, when you won't expect it. And everything is going to burn up. And I'm going to judge the righteous. And I'm going to judge the wicked. Oh God, remember mercy in your wrath. God wants us home with Him. And the choice is yours. And you can't say you don't know. We have to say what the world has to say. We really don't care. Verse 20, please, and we'll close. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me, through their word, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfected, in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. This morning, do you love God? Are you willing to give yourself to Him? All to Him. If you're not a Christian, we invite you to surrender to Jesus today. Be baptized in the waters of salvation after having heard His Word and believed it. Have godly sorrow in your heart. You want to turn your life around. Confessing His name before men. Being baptized immersed in water for the remission of your sins. Perhaps this morning you want to turn your life around and give it to Jesus. If there's anything we can do for you, let us pray with you. Let us work together for the cause of Christ. Please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.